and welcome to the show. It's me, John Park, and it's time for John Park's Workshop. Uh, thanks so much for having me back. I was out of town for a few days, uh, and in, in that time, it seems like YouTube and the internet got a little funny on me, but it might be back. It might be running, and hopefully it's smooth. I'm going to check out my dashboard over here to see before I get too confident that, uh, oh, stream health is excellent, it said. See, I had to trick it. I had to stop the stream and restart the stream, but it looks like we're good to go. I also just got that blog post out at the last second there, uh, so thanks for your patience. I was traveling, and I kept having to get up. My son and I were traveling, doing some college tour stuff, and I kept having to get up at like 3 a.m. in whatever time zone we were to get on super early flights, which uh, that can mess with you. But I'm back, and I have some uh, fun stuff to show and talk about today, so thank you for stopping by for this. Let's just pause one thing over here. Okay, good. We're good to go. Um, so we get a report that things are working in YouTube. That's good. Uh, who am I talking to, you may ask? Well, I can keep an eye over on our YouTube chat. Hi, Dave Odessa. Welcome, and thanks for stopping by. And this right here, that's our Discord chat. So if you're on Twitch or one of the other platforms, you're wondering, where is everyone? Who is he talking to? Lars himself? Yes, and yes. But also, these people right here in the Adafruit Discord. Our Discord channel has over 34,000 members now. I heard that the other day. Wow. And you can get there by going to adafruit.it slash discord. You'll get an instant invite. Join in and then head over to the live broadcast chat channel. You can see it over there on the side. It's a little cut off, but we have a whole bunch of different channels. Uh, I'll scroll through them a little bit and you'll see there we have welcome, announcements, live broadcast announce, live broadcast chat. That's this one right here. Pet photos, off topic. And then we have a whole bunch of help with channels and the CircuitPython dev channel and, and on and on, show and tell. So this is a really good place to stop by and see what's happening, chat with people. There's pretty much someone there all the time, and you can usually get some quick conversations going, maybe even some help on a project or help someone else on a project by heading over to our Discord. So um, Liz, Blitz City DIY, thank you so much. It says, excellent shirt. I think this was a uh, Christmas gift from one of my kids about a year or two ago. A whole bunch of not quite exactly since, but you can probably tell which ones they meant sort of, um, all wired together. Thanks, Charles Burnaford, too. Uh, I appreciate that. So let's see, what else are we going to do? Um, I was out, and one of the days I was out was this Tuesday, Tuesday of this week, so there was not a JP's product pick of the week this week, but there will be next week. So come, come back on Tuesday for JP's product pick of the week, and I'll be shown off a new project, uh, sorry, a new product, and there will be a discount during the live stream. And the way that works is that we don't have a coupon code or anything you have to do other than buy something if you like it during the actual broadcast, during the live stream, which is four o'clock Pacific time, I'm sorry, four o'clock Eastern time, one o'clock Pacific time here in California. And the price will be generally 50% off if it's a native fruit product, and usually it is, so we chop that price right in half and you can get that right into your cart uh, with, with no hassle. Um, I'm a little distracted because Todd is torturing me with Lars. Don't do that. Ugh. Come on, it's bad enough that he lives here. So 
Since I'm not doing the product pick of the week, what we'll do is jump right into a Circuit Python Parsec. So let's get set up for that. Okay. For the CircuitPython Parsec today, I wanted to show you how you can use a bitmap graphic with transparency inside of CircuitPython. So this uses image load, and I'm using display I.O. to do a whole bunch of other stuff, as well as vector I.O. So you've seen this little example before. I have my little sort of circus-themed breakout type of uh, demo going on. But what I've added here is a new little function called add clown. So what I'll do is uh, just comment or remove the comment from this, and I'll resave this code to my board. And what you'll see is when it restarts, we will have added precisely one clown. Hey, there's a clown. And, uh, oh, he's a sad clown. But the cool thing about this clown you can see is that since I have the ball bouncing around behind him, it's pretty easy to tell that there is transparency going on, sort of like an alpha channel if you're used to traditional uh, modern graphics. But what's going on here is that there is one special color in this image which is considered to be the transparency color. So there's the original image. I've scaled it up a bit so it looks a little softened. But what's happening in the code is that anywhere that the index zero color, so the first color in the palette, which happens to be magenta, is going to be knocked out. It's going to be rendered transparent. So if I, let me hide that. If I take a look at the code here, I'm doing that. In my function, what I'm doing is loading in a bitmap graphic. That's that clown2.bmp. Then I'm setting up with image load the image as well as the palette. So the colors, I think I have eight colors in there. What I'm doing is with pal.maketransparent0, I'm picking the first one, index zero color, which is the magenta, and making that the transparent color. Then I set up this little sprite as a tile grid. Clown.tg is tile grid clown image and the pixel shader. And then I append that to my main group. And then I'm setting it in a particular place depending on the call that I send to this function. So if I send it now another one, add clown at 7070, we'll get two clowns on there, which are going to be uh, at the positions that I've indicated. And we can go ahead and, whoops, add one more clown. Why not? So it'll be falling off the screen a little bit. But the, let me get that on there. So there you can see, it's a really easy way to create transparency. And so that's how you can use transparency with a BMP graphic inside of CircuitPython. And that is your sad clown CircuitPython Parsec. All right, uh, so let's see. Um, I'll probably do some other stuff with transparency and palette stuff. I've shown a couple other palette things before, but it's really a great workflow. And if you've seen me use the A Sprite, A E A E S P R I T E, is that a? I never remember. A Sprite, A S E P R I T E. A Sprite is a really great program. Uh, usually it's inexpensive, maybe $10, or sometimes it's free with a humble bundle. Uh, but it's a really good way to do 
pixel art, and it allows you to do things like shuttle or shuffle around your palette and decide uh, what color to make something like a background that you're going to knock out. It doesn't have to be the magenta. This isn't like a chroma key or anything. It just is something that we can um, identify easily while we're working. So that's why that's why my clown there had uh, had magenta. Um, so who knows where this is going? But I'm, I'm liking the fun circus theme. Hey, let's make that real big. Yeah. Oh, let me, let me focus that a little better too. You deserve sharply focused. There we go. Oh, that softens up a little bit. Stay. Oh yeah. Look at that. Hmm. Did you know, by the way, I learned this on, uh, Today I learned on Reddit a little while ago that that song that we associate with clowns and fail videos and circuses was written as a military march. I forget the, the composer, but it was meant to be like a really inspiring military march, and, and <laughs> now we associate it with clowns. So, yes, weird energy, right? That's, that's what's going on here today, and that's mostly because of my air travel. Um, I have a little bit of an incremental project update that I want to make on the L cars. And then I also wanted to dive into a little uh, sort of a product demo of something. Not It's not a product pick of the week type of thing, but I just wanted to dig into the RFID Wiz kit that we uh, have. I think it's sold out right now in the store, but it's pretty pretty neat, um, easy to use, sort of beginner friendly kit for someone who wants to build something for things like escape rooms. So uh, we'll do a little, uh, I, I've basically got it working earlier just to see does it work and yes and I don't know a lot about it but I think we'll see uh, it'll be fun to see together how easy it is to get it up and running um, so to start with the project update um, for the L cars which I don't have here right now do I the L cars is my little uh, Star Trek panel I've been using uh, a matrix portal which is I think I was using a 64 by 32 panel, um, and it's not quite precise enough. So I had mentioned this, I think, a week ago that I wanted to try upping the resolution. So this is actually a pair of panels here, uh, and this is a, a cool thing that we can do with our matrix portal, as well as I think our um, RGB matrix shield for Feather and for Raspberry Pi. Uh, you can see here I've got two panels, and these are a 2.5 millimeter pitch, uh, 64 by 64. So this gives us 128 by 64 pixels, which is a ton of pixels. And you can see there I've got the matrix portal plugged in to tell it what to do, but couple three things that are that are different than the typical just plug it into a single panel. So first of all, you can see here I have an IDC cable that is used to take data and flow it from one panel to the next. And this is how we can use them as a single panel instead of just sort of a duplicate of, of one panel. So the data flow goes between the panels while the power, instead of running it through the matrix portal, which we use a uh, USB-C connector here. I don't have any USB-C 
plugs uh, or, or power adapters that are over three amps, I think. That's the Raspberry Pi one. This is gonna require more than three amps. So what I wanna use is a big 10 amp, five volt uh, power source. And so what I've done here is taken our power cables, run those to the board as usual, but then I'm only grounding them to the matrix portal and I'm running the power from a big brick. So you can see here, uh, let me set this down for a second. I have a big five volt, 10 amp power supply and that has a two, uh, yeah, a little barrel connector with these 2.1 and 2.5 millimeter barrel connector, center positive. So what I can do with these is, uh, for now I'm just gonna hold these. I haven't built a, uh, something to connect them together, but I think I have, we'll see, we'll see what's running on here right now. I'm not sure what state I left it in. So I'll power, um, right now I'm powering the board only uh, separately of the matrix portal. Might be able to power them both from the same um, source later, but for now, since I'm programming it, I'm gonna power this from USB-C. So I'm gonna steal my USB-C cable. So that's my computer's USB. It is not gonna bother attempting to um, power this giant number of of LEDs, but you can see here, I now have a whole bunch of LEDs lit. I have it, I just made myself a little uh, two frame sprite sheet animation so that I could see some colors happening. I could see some pure white happening. Pure white looking really good. In fact, let me, let's uh, set this down so you can look at it in the overhead. Give you that view, one second. Let's do a little focus. There we go. Uh, I'm gonna turn this exposure down just because it is quite bright. Maybe you'll see it a little better. Uh, so you can see one of the telltale signs that you're underpowering these, whoops, shuttle, shutter speed there, uh, it wasn't happy with. Uh, you will see lines and, and artifacts. Any blinky refresh stuff you're seeing on video right now is just because of um, my, cap, my capture of, of video and sending it uh, in person. It's just rock solid, particularly this T that isn't changing because it's always white. That one is just rock solid. So I think this could end up being the solution. Uh, this pair of panels is actually, it's two that I had on hand. They are a little bigger uh, than I need them to be for the LCARS panel. So I may move to the two millimeter pitch, two of the two millimeter pitch panels, which means I'll have some really precise, um, be able to match the backlighting needs that I have and therefore get some crisp edges, even though I'm using uh, a little light, sort of light tunnels and light blockers, I still want the, the pitch to be as tight as possible. Um, and that, uh, that should be, the solution. I also mentioned last time that Lamore had said, hey, why don't you try using color so that you can enhance, even though the backlight uh, LCARS panel works with just white light behind it, it may be interesting to see how that saturation changes by using color behind it. So uh, that's the update on that. And really important, I was having some problems with this 
Uh, so I want to show you something in code and something in hardware that matter a lot if you're going to try to do this. And I had forgotten about this at first and was, was banging my head against having a weird sort of half display mirrored between the upper and lower sections. Um, and let's see, let me bring up a, bring up a web page here. So if you go to the Adafruit Matrix Portal M4, uh, you will see a section here talking about its features. It has an address E line jumper for use with 64 by 64 matrices. So there are two possible pins that aren't normally used on your, on your board that you can jumper, I believe I'm using pin eight. Uh, let's see if I can see it on here. Yeah, I think it's the pin eight. Some boards, um, some panels will use pin 16. Up the exposure here. You probably won't be able to see this too well, but um, I'm not gonna touch this with the screwdriver. If you look, where'd it go? I just lost it. Right here, right where I'm pointing here, uh, there's a little blob of solder you can see there. That jumps the address E-line to pin eight. So that means pin eight of this, uh, of this M4 is being used to send out uh, that sort of fifth line of data, which is how it does a 64 by 64 panel. Um, so it's pretty specific. I forgot about this and therefore was having problems because I was telling it the right things in code. Uh, but it, it couldn't care less. Um, here's what, wow, that's so many windows. There we go. Uh, here's what, let me open this code. Here's what I got running on there right now. Uh, same sprite sheet code as before. When I set up the matrix, I'm setting my bit depth to be two. And this just lowers the memory uh, needs. If you go up to higher color bit depths, you can get more gradations of color, but you will uh, pretty soon reach a, a memory limit. And, and I found bit depth of two works well. So here you can see I'm setting my width to be 128 because it's the two panels uh, of 64 and then the height is 64. Um, and I believe that's it with the matrix portal you can see here I'm using Matrix Portal. This code takes care of a bunch of housekeeping if you were just using the straight RGB matrix library. So Matrix Portal makes it very straightforward to uh, use these two panels together. You, you essentially, as long as you're plugging the data cable in here, you can just tell it what the width is and it works. Uh, and then my sprite image is uh, 128 by 128 because I'm essentially shifting between the, the two uh, a, a color version and, a, and the white version. And then these were little things I used to just sort of register things uh, when, when I was having problems trying to figure out what was I stretching stuff or whatever. So uh, this is just a little, little uh, sort of test image that helps out. Uh, I think that is it. I don't think there's anything else I needed to do once I figured out the hardware problem there, uh, feed it lots of juicy five volt current and off we go. So uh, I'll be rebuilding this with the, the uh, just plugging in essentially the two millimeter pitch 
uh, tiles and then uh, using a graphic that fits the, the backlight L cars. Um, so that's, that's where that's going. Looking at the chat for questions, uh, I'll check the Discord in a second, but I just saw a question from Charles Burniford in the YouTube chat. It says, what do you use to change the voice in the Parsec title? Uh, I used a vocoder that is uh, essentially a software vocoder built into the Arturia Microfreak keyboard that I have. I'll pull that up. It's a neat looking keyboard. I should show that off sometime. Um, it's a, essentially a digital synth that has um, some pretty neat capacitive touch pads as its uh, input. Uh, looks like this. And it runs a bunch of different uh, synthesis engines, including some of the open source synthesis engines from Mutable Instruments. Uh, so I believe it has braids and maybe clouds and maybe rings on there for effects. Uh, and then a whole bunch of wavetables and other synthesis me methods. But there was an up update in the last year where it um, gained a vocoder and it always had a mic input in it, kind of hidden as a TRRS mic. Uh, you can buy a little gooseneck mic from them that's that's tuned pretty well for its needs for 30 bucks or something. I got that. And uh, and then it does sort of the formant stuff of a vocoder without it being a giant piece of outboard equipment. Uh, so uh, that's what I used. I re-recorded it with some mellower settings because if you remember the old version had this really peaked out sound. It sounded like a disaster on your speakers. So I, I took the feedback and re-recorded it with some gentler... Uh, lower pitched vocoder stuff. Um, and the thing about a vocoder, if, you, if you're not aware of them, they are triggered by two things. One is you, you speak or sing into them, but your pitch doesn't matter. Uh, you play the pitch that you want. So I said the circuit, Python, Parsec, in a monotone, that would work. But then by the circuit, Python, Parsec, by playing the keys that you want it to shift these formant um, sounds through, you can make it uh, follow a precise pitch. So not the same as a auto tuner, but not entirely different from one either. It's a, it's a, it's a different approach to a somewhat similar thing, which is taking human voice and, and pitching it where you want. Uh, but it's trying to synthesize voice, not just kind of slap frequencies of a recording into the right place. Uh, so great question. Thanks for asking that. All right, uh, and then the Discord. What's going on over here? Oh, we have a, uh, a matrix <laughs> for the matrix portal there. Yanisku found a nice matrix gift. Thanks for that. Okay, uh, so now I want to jump over to the workbench in a second to, let me remove this, uh, do a little build with the super cool RFID whiz. Let me show what this is first. Uh, Jump back here and head to Adafruit. Let's do RFID Wiz Kit there by Smooth Technology. Uh, so these are out of stock right now. I don't know what the uh, stock status is. If those, if there are more on hand that we can get get over uh, from from the Smooth Technology people, or if they're waiting on them. But um, 
This is really cool because this reminds me of something from our good friends at Evil Mad Science Labs, which is a relay timer kit. Uh, let me actually show that because that's pretty cool. So EMSL Relay Artist. It's called the Art Controller. So this is really neat. The idea here is that a project or a, a product that artists often want who are building interactive sculptures is a triggerable relay uh, that can take in things like a button press uh, and allow something to maybe turn on like a motor or a light uh, for a certain amount of time and then turn off. And that is what this does. So uh, it's something you could do with a microcontroller and a little bit of code but this allows you to do it entirely with dip switches. So setting these dip switches on here changes the timings uh, and the state of, if, I think, if things toggle on and off uh, or go on for a certain period of time and, and go back off. Uh, so this came out years ago. Uh, here's a, this blog post is from 2012. I used one as a camera intervalometer one time. It's a really cool, quick solution for, for certain types of on and off, autonomous on and off projects. So the WizKid reminds, WizKit reminds me of that because it is, I think also, uh, I think these both have an AT-Tiny uh, chip running them, this doesn't say right here, uh, that has been pre-coded with, um, with some code that looks for button presses to learn RFID tags, certain button presses to erase the memory, uh, and I believe just this toggle switch for behavior. So do you want it to be an instant or a delayed thing? And I haven't uh, dug into it to see if you can do things like change what the timing is on it, uh, if it's just one second on, one second off, or, or one second on and then goes back off, uh, or if you can change, uh, change things about it uh, with button presses. You could probably also code the thing, but I, I think it would use this programming header or something like that. Um, apologies to Smooth Technology if I'm lying in any of this. I really haven't used it much. Um, but the idea behind it is you give it power, and that can be just a, a wall wart that'll provide anywhere from 6 to 12 volts, and you can then trigger that 6 to 12 volts DC with the relay. Um, you can also use an external power source with the, the little um, screw terminals there. And then one of those, generally the, the common, so you'll, you'll plug your device into power in, the V in here, and then whether it gets grounded or not will be based on the ground running to common and then either the normally closed or the normally open part of the relay uh, being triggered. So let's, uh, let's dive into a bit over here. Let me jump, jump to the workbench. Uh, and I'm going to show you the basics of getting this set up. Oh, gosh, I think, my, I think my fan is blowing AC. Let me just turn it off for now. We'll see if we don't overheat. Uh, I was just pulling air in from outside. So here is what you get in this kit. So there's the main board here. Here was the bag it came in because it, it has this uh, power supply in a box, so it needs to need some size there. And I'm also going to turn down a spotlight here that was on full blast. 
go. That's better. Uh, so you get the main board and then it has a little ribbon connector to plug in your RFID uh, reader. So this is a little separate board here. And then you've got your uh, relay here, either normal, close, normally open uh, switch that this is going to ground when this runs, and then the V in and ground over here. Uh, the setup for it, take the power supply here and give that power. So this is taking wall AC and turning this into 12 volts DC. And like I said, you could run anything from six to 12 volts uh, through this um, to run the thing as well as uh, trigger whatever your device is. So this is good for, for 12 volt motors, uh, light strips, that sort of thing. I'm gonna use a light strip to demo it. Um, and then if we grab one of the tags, you can see right now, if I hold that up, nothing's changing, right? We don't see this, uh, any, any status LED changes. Uh, there's a little LED on here. I'm not sure if that one changes when it recognizes a, uh, a tag or not. So what we need to do is hold train and now it has trained that tag. If I take any of these little sticker tags, you can see it doesn't, doesn't know what those are. Uh, I'll see if I can train just one. So now this one does. May have, may, these may just be too close to each other. I don't want to tear them off yet, but. Uh, so you get the idea. Um, now, the, uh, we'll, we'll play around with untraining stuff later, but two other things uh, I want to point out. You can, rather than using whatever this um, voltage is, this power supply, as the uh, power for your device, you can also use, this is a little uh, sort of pigtail for sending out a five volt control signal. Uh, and so a five volt control signal is really useful for things like um, smart outlets. So if you wanna run, let's say a 110 volt DC thing, a power drill or something like that, uh, what you can do is use the board here the relay will just send a, uh, a five volt, so there's a voltage regulator on here, send a five volt uh, signal that'll turn on and off. And then there are things like the smart uh, outlet or smart relay uh, power strips that you can, they have big solid state uh, relays in them that'll allow the safely the, uh, the, the 110 AC to run through. And then this thing can, can just be the trigger for that. So. Let me see, do I have one of those over here? I did, and I think I put it somewhere else. It's not here right now. I can call that up though, if, unless someone wants to bring that up on the, on the Discord, but I'll call that up in a second. The, um, uh, there's a couple of those out there that are pretty common. Uh, so now let's try to have it do something. So uh, first of all, let's just grab a multimeter. This is a nice way to, to figure out what it's doing, what's the, What's the what? What should I be plugging stuff into? Uh, so you can see here, 
I'm going to take uh, first just the V in and ground. And so those are what the power supply is sending through. So that's always available right there. So that's this 12 volts. So now what I'll do is take uh, the, the uh, ground, stop reading ground there, and I'm going to read this normally closed. Now this isn't going to do anything right now because these are not connected. So right now that doesn't change anything. Uh, so one setup feature here, and I don't know if there's any jumpers you can use for this. It could be something you want to set up a little more permanently. Uh, but what I'm going to do is just take a small piece of wire and I'm going to run the ground to the common leg of the relay there. Get a little closer still. Turn this light up a bit, sorry. It's a little better. Uh, so let me grab a small flathead, and I'm going to unplug this while I do this, just for safety's sake. I don't want to short anything. So I'm just using a little piece of hookup wire that'll go from the ground, and that's the same as this ground that's coming coming in, and the common leg right here. Solid core hookup is fine. It's not the best. Sometimes stranded is a little better for biting down on it with those, but as long as you're not too violent with that, it should be good. So now what'll happen is if I take a look at V in and this common, oh, put that in view, right? That common is the same as this ground over here. So I get 12 volts. If I check out the normally open, that's going to be nothing. If I check out the normally closed, that's going to be 12. So that means I can turn off, I can have something that's normally on and then turn it off when the tag is there. Back on, off, and the other one has the opposite behavior. So the normally open here will be at zero and then back up to 12 and down to zero. Uh, so that's the sort of most basic functionality of it. Now let's uh, plug in something that's a little more fun. I'm going to take five meters of uh, LED strip. So this is sort of our pseudo neon that we have. Uh, we sell this in one meter sections. When Lamore got samples of these, she asked me if I wanted some of these uh, giant five meter sections. And I said, heck yeah. So, uh, so I got some of these from her. Thanks for that. Um, so what I'll do is I'll leave it in the package just so it doesn't fly around. I will go ahead and you know, plug in the red lead of my LED neon to the voltage in. And then the open, normally open, it's an open circuit, meaning it's not, not going to be lit normally. Uh, and so you can imagine this is really fun for things like puzzle escape room types of things because you can have someone 
uh, have to solve some puzzle to gain access to an RFID sticker or something with the sticker on it so it's less obvious or the tag is buried inside of something. Um, and then you can have the reader hidden somewhere. Uh, maybe it's part of the side of a bookcase and they have to just put a book into the right slot uh, and then light up something that maybe was in the dark in a box or something. So um, that's one idea of how you can do this sort of thing. So here it is. It's armed. It's ready to go. Uh, this, let's, um, let's see if we can simulate that kind of an idea and hide that under something. I'll take this little box here. So let's see if that, that'll stay mostly flat. There you go. So now, gosh, that's bright. <laughs> so now you've got your, uh, and we've got multiple tags that it'll work with. Uh, you can train, I think, it's a, I'm a little confused. I, I read in one spot 20. Uh, is a, is a definitely easy for it to train. Uh, they said maybe up to 40, but you could have issues. And I don't know if that's because the, uh, the unique ID lengths on these might be different and therefore you fill in up memory, not quite sure. Uh, but there's also provision for uh, taking all cards or a card out of training. So if I want to untrain this, um, erase the memory by pressing the train button five times quickly. Uh, let's try that. Did that work? It did. So uh, it took a moment and then you saw that status light blinked. And that's great because again, if this is for some sort of a prop effect, a Halloween thing, uh, an escape room type of thing, you may want to um, untrain a bunch of tags and then restart restart your process. That makes it easy. Uh, so let's retrain. All right, so that one works again. Uh, now we can have this one in toggle mode, or rather in uh, momentary mode. So it acts like a momentary switch. Um, but we can also train them as a, uh, a toggle, which means it will hold the relay closed until you bring the card a second time. So you don't always want to have relays hanging out forever and ever and ever like this, but uh, for certain things, that's fine, especially if it's, it's something you're resetting after an hour. Uh, so let's do that. Let's take this tag. Um, we'll press train three times quickly, and that will put us into the uh, toggle mode. Okay, so now my card lights it up. My card turns it off. On off, which is really cool. I don't know if that puts the whole device into that mode. It does. Okay, so it's not a per card thing. So all the, I, I, I'm guessing all the cards are just part of the same uh, behavior. So that's, that's the device, not the card. Um, now let's take it, uh, we'll leave it in that mode, but then let's try these other, um, the toggle switch here, it's the release. So we have instant release. Um, yeah, in fact, let me, let's, uh, let's retrain this. Okay, so I, I clicked it three times. I guess you probably don't even need the card there. Yeah, that's just a switch the whole device. That's cool. Uh, so now we're in 
momentary mode. Uh, but one nice thing is that a thing that is really common to use for stuff like escape rooms is a uh, magnetic lock, an electromagnetic lock. So if you're using something like that, you may not want super brief behavior because there's just not enough time for the thing to actuate and, and pop a door open. Um, so this toggle here goes from instant to delayed mode. Now it stays on for a few seconds and then will shut itself off. Uh, seems like you get about five seconds. So click, Bing. you gotta go open the door while it's doing that me thing because it's, it's pulling a, a deadbolt. Um, so that's the difference between delayed mode and here's instant mode, which is also useful. You might find other uses for that. Uh, that's kind of all there is too. I think the other um, other ideas that they have inside of, if you saw me looking at something, they have a nice, really easy guide here. I think most people could get this up and running maybe just with this guide or seeing a video, either this or, or the ones on their site. Um, the, the, with the basic functionality, especially doing DC stuff. If you're doing something like an AC um, uh, power supply that has a lot more current, uh, their example here is they're using sort of a, a Magewell power supply that is also 12 to 24 volts, but it's separate from your little uh, uh, wall wart then you can run just the common uh, ground to your device and have it plugged in separately. So you're just breaking ground uh, with it and then running uh, power directly to your, to your lock and the ground is being uh, controlled by this relay right here. So uh, that's just touching the surface of it. I may uh, poke around some more and see what else they've got um, that lets you uh, customize your behavior there. Uh, I don't know if they have, uh, this This could be a programming header here, I'm not sure, uh, these little points that could be that you're meant to just hardwire your RFID um, into that. The, uh, actually the other thing I wanted to check, I suspect these, well, oh that's interesting, there's a, there's a couple dip switches on there so there might be some behaviors you can used to maybe change the types of, of cards you can read. Uh, I think these are the, what is it, 13 megahertz cards. I actually have a little box of my RFID stuff. Um, and I'm curious if existing cards I have would work. Let's see, so here's a, a card that I had. Yeah, okay, so I think these are cards that we sell separately. I think they're, it's a pretty common one. Uh, I'm also curious if I still have this box of RFID junk here. Let's see, old project <laughs> graveyard. Uh, if I still have, okay, so here's these little tags that you can put on your fingernails. And I did have, the ring that I used in my chess project. If you remember, I had a, a wireless RFID. Uh, so there was a reader here and then it was wirelessly turning on a relay. Um, so for this, I have like these chess pieces. You can see. Yeah, so my little, I think those are those tags uh, or, or similar that I have under there, I forget. Uh, and there's also this ring. So you can wear a little ring here. Let's see if it'll pick that up. 
This might be an NFC thing that it doesn't love. Oh, no, it does. It's just very directional right there. Uh, so this is great. You can have that kind of on the bottom of your hand and discreetly trigger something without anyone noticing. Especially helpful if you have that delay on uh, because then you can pull your hand away and it doesn't look quite as cause and effecty. Um, if you wanted a, a, a delay at the beginning of it, I'm not sure if that's possible without really just reflashing this. So uh, I think if you get to something that sophisticated, you're probably more in the realm of uh, build this sort of thing yourself with a microcontroller. Um, but that is, uh, that is nice to see that all those different... Yeah, so here's, let's see, these nails. White NFC nails. Oh, wait, these... Do these work? I can't remember if these will work. Do they glow? Let's see. Yeah, these glow. <laughs> these have a little... Yeah, these don't trigger it. But these do glow, which is interesting. Uh, these are... I can't remember if these... If these are uh, sending out any idea or if they're... ID or if they're just using the induction to, to light them up. But that's kind of cute. Put those on your nails. Uh, put some clear coat over them. All right, so that uh, that covers it. It's really straightforward. You've got, like I said, these stickers, which are really cool if you want to do things like split playing cards open and stick them in there. Not saying that I told you to try that, but you should try that. Um, you've got the little key fob, which is great, and then these traditional kinds of cards. Uh, I'll look Two things up back at the workstation. One is the AC uh, power relay and the small tags I'm using in the chess pieces because those are kind of interesting. So let's unplug that and head over here. Let's see. Uh, Todd says, put an RFID sticker on the tip of a magic wand and you have your cast spell to solve escape room puzzle. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so let's see. RFID and NFC is a category. Um, I think these are what I was using. So yeah, let's let's uh, let's double check. So this says it uses the thirteen point five six megahertz tags, and these right here. Uh, those are about the size of a quarter, so depending on your needs, those might work. And then, what tiny ones did I put? Those, okay. Micro. Those are what I think I have in the, uh, in the chess pieces, so you can see they got a small antenna, so they gotta be right on it. You're not gonna get them an inch away and still work, probably. Uh, but really good for, for hiding inside of something. Um... Yeah, it must be those. These probably have a pretty small, if you dug these open, uh, these nails, uh, but they're kind of cool too. They're, they're, that's a, I've never tried these, but they've got kind of a hidden, hidden tag in them. Uh, here's a little bracelet. Yes, yeah, so any of these that say 13.56 should work. And then I believe those nail ones just uh, light up. There's those rings. Uh, are those discontinued? We have them. Yeah, no, we have them. Okay. The other thing I wanted to show is the power strip. What's it called? Uh, 
power AC relay. AC relay. Outlet. Power switch tail. Okay, that was one we used to have. We're getting closer to it. Power switches. This is it. Okay, it's out of stock right now. These are great. So this has got four outlets on them. Two of them are just normal outlets that are controlled only by the switch. They're always on. And then two of them are uh, either normally open or normally close, I think, based on this little five volt uh, input here. So you send it a five, five volt signal. Okay, so it has one normally on, one normally on, uh, one always on. One, and these are normally off. Okay, so always on, not affected by the, by the relay, normally on, and then two that are normally off. So that gets plugged into the wall uh, using that power cord, and then this gizmo uh, or any microcontroller's five volt signal, uh, I think it might work on three even. Uh, yeah, three to 60 will trigger it uh, from DC. Uh, plugs into there and then you can turn that on and off. So I think that does it. Um, hopefully those come back in stock soon, but a really neat, neat gizmo or might inspire you to want to do some of your own power relay stuff. Uh, related is the Featherwing AC relay or just Featherwing relay. Uh, so this one here, power relay Featherwing, that plus an RFID reader, uh, which we have this breakout board here. Uh, I think you could do that directly or get the feather involved if you want to do something a little fancier. Um, so RFID, always cool. A lot of great projects that you can do with that. So uh, start, start thinking about, I don't know, escape rooms, puzzles, magic, uh, augmented reality, alternate reality projects, Christmas, Halloween, they're all Easter. You, you don't have much time left for that one, but all right. Great, so thanks everyone for stopping by for the weird energy episode. Uh, or are they all like that? I don't know. You be the judge. The next show will be Foamy Guy Deep Dive with Tim on Friday, and he may do a Saturday live stream. Not sure if he's doing those. I'll be back on Tuesday with a product pick of the week. So I will see you. Thanks so much for stopping by for Adafruit Industries. This has been John Parks Workshop. Bye, everyone.